Hey, want to take a walk on the wild side and experience the bleeding edge of technology? Then get ready because it doesn't get much more edgy than this. You're in for a wild ride. You're listening to Sovereign Tech with your host, the man in triple black, the golden stallion of the tech world, Brian Sovereign. He's got a huge brain. And now, here's Brian. That's right. Welcome to Sovereign Tech. Of course, Brian Sovereign here with you. And today, I have a fantastic guest. I am really, really excited about this because, like I've said so many times on this show, there's so many technologies being developed right now that are really, I think, going to set everything free, whether people realize it or not, even. Uh, and one of these things that, that I had heard about uh, through through some of the listeners of this show uh, and and really just all around uh, was a, pro- a project called Made Safe and it's at madesafe.net and I have with me today I have David Irvin who is uh, David would you say you're, you're the founder of of Made Safe yeah founder and uh, probably team team member team member yeah. okay I want to ask you about what team member means but first. Uh, now, t- tell me, tell me, what is MadeSafe? Yeah, MadeSafe. The, the idea behind MadeSafe was really it's to decentralize the internet, and what what that means in decentralized internet is almost like what Bitcoin did for for money or is doing for money. Decentralizing something like that to me means take out all the rubbish in the middle, the parts that you don't need, so parts of the financial system that were complex. Bitcoin was able to remove that. So MadeSafe looked at the at the internet. And said, "This is this is quite strange because if I'm going to speak to you, I'm going through just now like Skype or something, Microsoft servers. Why 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 should I ask Microsoft if I can speak to you, and why are they allowed to cut this call off or or give content to some other agency? If I want to speak to someone, I should speak directly to them across the internet." And we realised that everybody's computer's connected, and everybody's computer has got an, a lot of resources. If those resources can all be collected together and formed some sort of cyber brain, a machine, if you like, then we could all use that cyber brain to communicate with each other. And the, the mechanism for that is that us as a human have put a piece of software on our computer, that computer joins the network, it proves it's got a resource that's valuable to the network. We can then take a certificate almost from that resource and join the network as a human. The, the network itself then stores our data, makes sure our data is safe, allows us to share it with our friends in complete privacy and allows us to communicate. And that type of network is incredibly more powerful than any centralized server-based network. And it also does what, what Bitcoin does. It removes the bit in the middle we don't need. It removes the servers, the inefficiencies that we don't need. And that, that right. is right. really important. Okay, so so how does this differ, say, from a mesh network, or does it differ from a mesh network? It's it uses very similar principles to mesh network. Mesh networks are a little bit lower down, uh, but we we have to create a, a networking protocol called reliable UDP. Mesh networking's down at that level, and we're talking to some mesh networking projects because it would be great to get them involved. What MadeSafe does, though, it allows all the computers to connect at every level. So with MadeSafe, you've got the ability to log in, 
put your data on it, walk away, and your data is protected for life. And nobody knows you. We don't know you're using the system because we shouldn't know you're using the system because otherwise, how could we secure you? Right. <laughs> you know, today's system, it's almost like the locksmith that gives you a lock for your door but keeps the master key and maybe will let you use your own door, maybe won't. That's not security. And that's uh, that's the centralized internet just now. You've got the likes of Google or Microsoft or these companies who will actually determine whether you can and when you can use the internet that's that's not a logical system it's right essentially i mean even like google could say you know even if you got your password right if they don't want you to access it they just say you can't access yeah. it so you're saying made safe just just doesn't allow for that or i mean bypasses all that it bypasses all of that the the, the deal is between you the human and the cyber brain if you like the the, the the summation of all of our computers connected and that's it there's no other party involved so you Go onto the MadeSafe network, and it's like the internet should have been from day one. If you look at the internet just now, all of these intermediaries, which just get in the way, because why would I want to log into someone else's server to speak to one of my friends? It's 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 not it's not clever. I don't know. Google. Great point. You know, it, it's an unnatural system. It's not found in nature anywhere that there's this intermediary body between two elements that want to communicate, and it's also extremely inefficient because data has to go from me to Microsoft, say, back to you in this, this call that we're on. That's, that's extremely inefficient and we, it means that we have to trust they're not listening, which they may well be. Um, so that, that level of trust should not ever be something that any human has to have with any other human or, or certainly with a corporation. MadeSafe has built a, a mechanism that nobody should trust us but we trust the machine, we trust the, the cyber brain, and everybody's got access to all of the code to make sure that that thing's correct. So you're kind of you're like like Bitcoin, and you use that to compare it yeah. at one point. And I think that's a that's a that's a good comparison. Yeah. So it, it's a trust uh, trustless system, completely trustless, and that that's one of the that's one of the strange parts of the the MadeSafe project because we're a company, MadeSafe is a company, and we've taken eight years, we've created this system. There's a there's a huge amount of work goes into wow. creating. Eight years. Eight years, yeah. 2006, 22nd of February 2006, some of my friends started giving me cash to make this happen. And that's it's an easy date to remember because I don't borrow money. But Yeah. So, okay, I, I guess th this is shocking because, and, and I, I guess I want to know, like, what, what inspired you to do this? Because eight years ago, I mean, we didn't have all this Snowden revelations, you know, I don't even think we really had anything from like Thomas Drake and others, yep. uh, you know, none of this NSA business or GCHQ or whoever. Uh, uh, what what inspired you then? Uh, the system was illogical. I, I was actually away and uh, working away as a consultant in IT and network design and whatnot and designed probably one of the largest net, private networks in the world. I then came back to Scotland thinking that people here should be getting that same level of attention and and realised that the servers that, that I was getting people to put into into businesses were cut down versions, they were terrible versions of software you never knew how long they would be getting installed for, the customer had no idea what they were and it just seemed like something's wrong here, why is this so difficult and what, right. why, why is the imbalance and, and at that point, I actually created a, a system called eBoxit, 
which was a standalone server and thought, well, this is better. People can use this, but I couldn't couldn't really get capital for it at the time. It was a hardware solution. And at that time, I thought, well, if everyone's got a server, why don't they back each other's data up? You know, why, why have tapes? Like, I could have some of your data, you could have some of mine. And, and I thought, well, if that was done in a way where I didn't have to know you, where it was completely decentralized, then the ideas just came out. That was about 1996, 97, when we started really looking at this. And from 2002 to about 2006, I took time out. I spent much more time in a lifeboat and delivering yachts about the place and being out at sea and <laughs> about it. And I really just... Uh, Thought this is this is actually crazy, and and I suddenly realised that if you taught someone computer engineering or computer science, just gave them a very good engineering background and said, "Here's a computer. It communicates. It's got some hard drive space and CPU and all the rest of it, and it's going to be connected to every other computer in the world. Now design a mechanism for each of the computers to talk or to speak to each other. You would never ever put a server in the middle of it." Right. Then it, it dawned on me that what we had done, we had taken networking from years ago through local area networking with servers to share resources like expensive hard drives. They became metropolitan area networks. Then the internet happened and we just kept copying that model. And then we came to the point of, well, who's going to own these servers that we're all connecting to now? And then along came the internet companies. So you got your Yahoo's, your Google's and all the rest of it. And we just blindly followed that model and trained our computer scientists at some of the best universities in the world. This is the model that works. Don't do anything else. This works. When when someone goes to the network, they log into a server. And it, it just it was very apparent that, that it was a very logical way to, to do networking. Sure. So really that was that was it. Go back to the drawing board and I, I told some people about it and told people about these ideas and knocked together a demo in Python and then started to get investment. And when I got investment from the friends and family, I, I went away to a place called Brno. It's the second city in the Czech Republic and they speak no English there at all. <laughs> so I spent eight months actually focused on designing a, a completely decentralized internet. And that's, that's really where it started. And interestingly enough, one of the first things that went into this decentralized internet was a cryptocurrency. And that, that was all written up in 2006. So I was really I was really happy when Bitcoin... When I seen the Bitcoin paper in 2009, I thought, well, it's not really decentralized. It's, it's doing something, but there's data here. There's a big block of data, the blockchain. Right. And that's not really decentralized. It's just copied and distributed. So I, I sort of wrote it off a little bit, I must say, but I thought it would be great, you know, if something like that worked. And, and now it has worked at the same time. Uh, we're, we're able to release this code, like decentralize all the data and communications. So it's great because Bitcoin almost broke the water for us. And yeah, yeah, it kind of it led the way or at least showed people, hey, you know, this kind of system can work and we can even take it further. Yeah, it's, yeah. why have humans doing something that maths can accomplish 100% efficient? Play 100% of the time. Right. You know, this is interesting because you're one of the few other people I've heard who has admitted that, because uh, I say it on this show a lot, but uh, not a lot of people will admit that Bitcoin is essentially centralized. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's really not a decentralized system in the purest sense. No. 
So that, that that's intriguing that you mentioned that. Yeah, I think it's it's a system that's distributed. It's as, it's as decentralized as Google is. They right. distribute their data centers and Bitcoin has distributed this blockchain. I think, though, the, the decentralization component of Bitcoin for me is the decentralization of the financial structure. Right. And that, that's the important part. So they've not decentralized any of the data components uh, because there wasn't a data network available to them. And that, that, I think that's the, the key difference there. Yeah, I agree. It's definitely decentralizing as in it takes the the power away from, uh, you know, the, the powerful right now. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and that's great. Yeah. So so MadeSafe then, how does how, how is that decentralized? Now, I mean, my understanding of it is that you, you essentially uh, give up a little bit of, of hard drive space on your on everybody's computer. Yeah. And uh, how does that go? Yeah, really what, what happens is as as. It's very similar in many ways to Bitcoin. In Bitcoin, there's this proof-of-work thing that people use to create value, Bitcoins or whatever. Right. The MadeSafe network, there's a proof-of-resource. So when your computer gets connected to the MadeSafe network by installing software, it it gives up some space and shreds of data are stored on that. There's no files stored. Uh, The network only holds highly encrypted, obfuscated shards of information. So your computer will end up storing some of these shards of information that are unreadable by humans and the network. And as those shards of information are stored, that the network's able to actually identify your computer cryptographically in a cryptographically secure way. It's like we've taken VeriSign and turned it into a mathematical algorithm, which okay. again is a correct mechanism would remove some of the unneeded, unneeded thing. With that ability, the network can monitor the and this is the network that monitors. There's no humans involved here. The network's actually human resistant. If there's any humans tampering with any component of the network, then it, it, the network itself removes that component. So it's a human resistant machine, if you like, an autonomous network. And from that, that autonomous network, because you've put that computer on, you can actually prove that it's your computer by getting a copy of the certificate that's created for it. And then as a human, you can store information because you've got that proof of resource. So the network will say, hi, human, that's quite good. We can see that you're providing a resource. The network will now give you some resource to work with. And this is, this is one of the key, the key differences with Bitcoin. So what we've, we've managed to come up with, and I think this is really quite, quite cool, is rather than burning electricity to prove value, as Bitcoin does with the hashing, what we've done is the network can look at this resource and say that's an instantly valuable resource because right. that resource is information and that information is crucial to mankind that that information is looked after. You're do- doing your bit. And this, this proof of resource, and there's actually a cryptocurrency built into the system called SafeCoin. So when, <coughs> excuse me, when, when people are, are mining, if you like, their computer goes on the network, it's almost like they're mining. As their computer's storing data, and it's not their data, it's, it's these shards of encrypted, obfuscated things. Right. The network pays them with SafeCoin. That SafeCoin's just like Bitcoin, except it's on a distributed blockchain, which itself is completely, uh, well, it's distributed. 
Okay, so so let me let me be clear on like on the the, the shards of information. Uh-huh. You you essentially like you you have a say a specific amount of hard drive space set aside yeah. to be used, however, uh, almost like a cache for the network. Yeah. And there will just be random, pretty much random ones and zeros, not complete information at all right. that just gets spread around to, to, to everything. Is that yeah. is that about right? That's correct. Yes. That's phenomenal. It's not, it's as compared to where with the blockchain uh-huh. for like blockchain technology, you essentially you're downloading like the complete everything, every, you know, the complete resource, everything that's happening as to where with this, it's this really, like you said, distributed yeah. Um, just ones and zeros. There's not a complete uh, info box there. That's right. It's just it's all ones and zeros. And the important thing is the network can't even decrypt it. The only person that can decrypt it is the person who put those shards of information on, and that's you, the human. So when you when you log in, you you create an account, and you use a certificate that your computer has got to be able to create an account. And this is self authentication mechanism. So you actually store a very small piece of information onto the network that you know where it is and you know how it's encrypted. So you put a couple of passwords in and that small piece of information is the root directory to all of your information. And that root directory has got a directory for keys, it's got a directory for communications. And that allows you to have your own private information that is a disk of, it's not infinite size, but it's, Two to the sixty-four. It's as it's as big as a computer can actually count to. Sure. So it's it's pretty big. It's pretty big. It's pretty big. Yeah. Uh, so so there's there's no passwords getting sent out. This is all being done client side yeah. on your computer. There's no password exists anywhere on the network. That's incredible. Password doesn't ever exist on your computer. It's in your brain. That's it. Right. So we can we can say quite clearly that we've got a hundred percent server security because there's no servers and 100% password security in terms of being in transit or on the network because there is no passwords. And so that that's where this self-authentication mechanism is pretty beautiful, I think, because it's self-authentication. You have made this deal with a machine, the network, no humans, and that network is run by complete logic. So you, you go on, you, you put your information on that drive. Now, you can share information on the drive. And interestingly... I could share I, on the MeetSafe network. I could share with with you, Brian, a directory that contains anything. So rather than sharing at the HTTP level, the web, or any of this, we're actually sharing at the drive level. So you could share a running CAD program with the plane half designed on it, or you could you could share a Word program with the Word document in there. Everything is shared at the disk level. Now. Because it's at the disk level, you can do anything you can do in the current internet. You could put a website there. You could put you could put whatever you wanted on that, that you can access from MadeSafe. That you can access from MadeSafe, and this is one of the things that's quite interesting. As I was saying, I looked at a lot of the way nature worked and thought what we've got is extremely poor in terms of efficiency. This intermediary body. And one of the interesting things, lots of side effects come out of the MadeSafe thing. If you put a website on MadeSafe and people on the MadeSafe network are reading that website, the system does a caching. So copies of copies of shards of data are brought down all the way to you if you're reading a web page. If someone else is reading a web page near you, they probably pick up some of the shards of information that, that you've 
that you're looking at the web page left behind. So it's intelligent caching. But the, right. the, the, basically the, the benefit of that is if there's a website that's very popular, it goes faster. Now, okay, so so this is kind of like um, like pre-caching that mobile browsers do. Where, yeah. but but this is decentralized precaching, where it's not being yeah. done on your machine. Yeah, it's decentralized across the internet, and that that is one of the kind of logical benefits because today, if you get a website and it's very popular, it probably crashes, right? Because of the centralized approach to it, and in the made safe network, if it's very popular, it goes faster. Now, that's where logic wins because popular information has to be delivered faster to more people because that's what humanity needs. We need the information when it's popular. And that, that's, a, that's a, a really good benefit. But there's other huge benefits to this, apart from the fact that obviously your data is extremely secure and yeah. <laughs> your IP address is scrubbed on hot one, so people can't even tell who's using the system. Uh, there's no way to know who's using the system. It's, it's fully encrypted communications and, and without IP addresses. So if you look at it, we've, we've connected everyone's computer together and shared information, shared parts of that computer that importantly they weren't using. So it's empty hard drive, unused CPU, unused bandwidth that's shared. So we're sharing stuff we don't have and providing a much more powerful, more efficient solution to, to the internet. 1.7% of all electricity generated in the USA today goes into data centers. It's an ecological disaster, as well as yeah. as well as an illogical, very illogical and insecure internet. It's yeah, I mean the whole system's inefficient. Yeah, I mean, and and we should, you know, one of the things we love about our technological world is the efficiency. Yeah. But at its base level, it's incredibly inefficient, and so MadeSafe is really. You know, really harnessing that. Yeah, absolutely. And really, what we're saying is this: it's almost like the people's network. That right. this is a network that's fueled by the people for the people. So you can do things, and because there, there, there's some stunning innovations, I think will come along now. We've got a mailing list which is filling up, but because everyone supplies their own resource, the the beauty of the logic comes through. Because if you were a company and you were Google, for instance, or you were Dropbox or one of these companies and you thought we're going to have a lot of users in China. Five years before you get those people using your system you start doing planning permission you get the data center built and all this sort of stuff and then the users come and you've got the data center to work with them. In MadeSafe because the users bring their own resources the data center is where your users are when your users happen to be there so there's no forward so and it, look, we've got people just now that are building, for instance, like Dropbox replacements. Right. And a made safe network. How simple is that? You just build the application. All of the storage is provided by the users who are using the Dropbox system. So there's right. There, there's no need to build infrastructure, which is one of the things that holds back so many companies. Yeah, there's no infrastructure, and I think that's one of the really interesting elements that could come out of this whole project. And I'll right. explain more about the project soon because. As I say, MadeSafe is a company. A network like that cannot be owned by a company because nobody should trust us and we shouldn't expect them to. But it's it's very interesting because if we can reduce the cost of innovation down to a few hours or days on the keyboard designing an application, 
that people can roll out, then what we can do is globalise innovation properly. So it's not all in Sand Hill Road, you know, and round uh, yeah. miles around there. That the cost and how of, much farther can we get? How much faster? Yeah. I mean, well, you know, with that kind of innovation. Well, and, and I would love to see, I'd love to see this happening throughout the world, that, that, that people, and we, we kid on just now, we say someone in their bedroom in Alaska or down in Australia created this multi-million dollar system. It's very unusual that they would because they're generally VC backed and whatnot. Right. In the MadeSafe system, people actually will be able to do that. But importantly, doctors and, and people like that will be able to share information very privately, instantaneously, and with, with no cost. And when you look at medical research, 60% of medical research is spent on, or 60% of the time in these kind of research is spent on trying to raise grants and funds to, to buy things like VPNs and routers and servers and administrators. Right. And we just remove that. That's an efficiency that, in, the, in the system, just remove it. It's not required. That That is, is frankly, mind-blowing yeah. uh, <laughs> to, to me. I mean, that that I, I agree. And I, I have so many questions. I, w- I want to get to a couple here. Yeah. Uh, one of them is, and, and we we're just talking about companies, you know, and, and how they're set up and how they innovate. Um, you mentioned that you were a team member. Uh, with 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 made safe and maybe you know could you tell me describe what what a team member is and maybe how how your company uh, you know, works. The way the company works is it depends what I'm doing. I could be considered the boss at one stage or the CEO at one stage with business meetings and I'm I'm a research engineer uh, and there's a bunch of research engineers. But the, my my sort of title is team member. I don't I don't really go by any by anything. So. I'm, the, I'm sort of on one of the things we were doing. We were doing the, you know, the web page about the company, and it was like getting put over positions in it. And I was currently on point. You know, somebody else might be on point tomorrow or the day. Right. Who knows? But so I, I founded the company and and came up with the ideas and did the inventions and whatnot. At the beginning, they've all been improved by all the team round about me. So I think maybe founder would be the kind of. Thing, but I, I like that idea. I like a non-hierarchical, yeah. uh, you know, kind of a co-op, cooperative, uh, yeah. you know, business model as compared to the average thing we're used to. That sounds it's good. kind of funny here because Prakash is in charge of the engineering part of the business, and and Prakash is he's an unbelievably nice person. He's just he's just super nice. He can look at you and tell if he's offending you, and he stops. And if if there's people coming into the company, it's me that does the business meetings and the deals and whatever. And then when I go to the keyboard to do some programming, Prakash is my boss for that period. Right. So there's a kind of strange mix. And that's why I saw like, like a flock of starlings, you know, somebody's at the, big, at the front at some stage, but we share it. Well, I love the sound of that because, I mean, it really, it sounds like, you know, the company made safe works like the, you know, software, the project made safe. <laughs> <laughs> Which I mean that that's you know that's exciting. So my next question is one I want to backpedal a little bit on like you were saying you could store a web page there, uh-huh. um, as well as it sounds like you can store it, or you could you can run apps within MadeSafe. Yeah, absolutely. Um, is right now now is there like is MadeSafe uh, the software itself is it, is it going to have a web browser built in? How how does that how does that work? What we're doing is we're supplying the platform, so we'll supply the, the platform where people can log in and and share information at the disk level 
Okay. Uh, so anything you can do in the disk level of a computer upwards is possible. So that that's everything you can do in the internet today, but everything you can also do in your personal computer locally will be able to be done globally in, in a shared manner through the world. So the MedSafe software itself is, as you like, I, I think about it as this is the new internet, completely the new internet because it's ridiculous to have the one we've got. So this is the, the new internet. It's the way that the internet should have worked. And people will put applications on it. And the, the, some of the applications that people are looking at just now is like Open Science, a publication system. As I say, Dropbox, right. Dropbox stuff's a no-brainer. YouTube-type systems. There's a multi, multi-currency wallets and whatnot. So all of these application developers will just develop on top of the, the MedSafe platform. But that's, that's really why we've created Project Safe. Uh, we're, we're getting through it, but at, at New York, we'll be, we'll be really handing the whole MadeSafe network over to everyone, to the world. And in, in, when is this now? In January. Uh, it's not, not January, April. April. I should actually sleep sometimes. <laughs> April the 7th, I think it is. Uh, it's a Bitcoin conference in New York. Oh, okay. I'll be at that one. Oh, fantastic, so, Brian. Yeah, absolutely. So we're, we're going to get to meet in in the flesh then. <laughs> that, that's brilliant. That's, that's great. So we'll be making some announcements here uh, because we've said all along this network cannot possibly be owned by anyone. And we're, we're about to make sure that it's absolutely not owned by anyone. And MadeSafe will take a position along with all of the developers who are going to develop applications on top of it. And we'll make our future uh, cash, if you like, off of this system the exact same way as anyone picking the system up today and building an application on it will make their their wealth. So it's, I've explained it to people, MadeSafe are now going to eat at the same table as everyone who's using the system. Right. This is a, a whole new... Now, we're in a great position because we know how it works and obviously, you know, that that's that's fantastic for us. But the ownership of the network will become uh, global. So are you kind of, are you going to pull off sort of like uh, like what Ubuntu does where Ubuntu's, you know, the OS is totally free, but they they offer tech support at a, at a charge? Is that kind of the idea or, or uh, explain it to me? Not really. I think what we'll do is MadeSafe... MedSafe have got some some more innovations to do on top of the network. There's there's a there's several things an autonomous voting system, a digital voting system. There's various things that we'll put on top of this network once it's out, and we'll also we'll continue to support the network. We'll be probably paid for supporting that network through Safecoin, which is the thing that the miners on the network are are actually going to be creating. Right. So this is a, a sort of new cryptocurrency based on this proof of resource thing. Yeah, this is the other other question I wanted to ask about was more about Safecoin. So Safecoin is going to pay the the system itself. Yeah, the system itself will generate Safecoin, and basically, if so, what can happen here? And there's there's a couple of things. that's one's quite good because I think it's quite fun that you could download MadeSafe and say, the Dropbox application or the YouTube application. I, I, I just use MadeSafe and say, right, that's great. All my data is safe. All my photos are safe. Everything's pretty safe now. I can share information. I can communicate. Nobody's spying on me anymore. I'm happy. It was all free. 
and it was a really nice experience. But then something quite strange can happen because you could look at your screen again and realise that this thing that you downloaded for nothing just made you money. <laughs> so that's a really nice experience for customers to have and for people to have. And I'm looking forward to it happening to me. Um, so that that's really good. And that's, again, part of the logic of the system that right. you know, we, should, we should all be able to participate in this and, and have a feeling that it belongs to us all. Now, one of the interesting things that I'm looking at just now and I'm having debates on the mailing list is the miners who are, are we call them miners, we started to call them earners because um, they're <laughs> earning, you know, valid. So these miners will earn safe coin, but they'll earn at a much higher rate when they mine above the network average. So the network average amount of data has to be the miners have to, their machine has to go above that. So it's like they're mining above what information currently exists. And when they provide more space than the information that exists, sort of supply-demand thing. Right. So you're giving them incentives yeah. to offer more to the network. Yeah, absolutely. And, and as I say, this is great because it's all part of this cyber brain. So MateSafe really have nothing to do with it. The maths does all that for us. So an interesting thing that I've been looking at recently is because they mine above the network average why don't we just give everyone access to MainSafe and they don't pay at all they don't even need to provide disk space but they can they, they, they'll get resources up to the network average disk space free of charge so all of a sudden you've got people who get maybe a say a Dropbox or YouTube type app or, or whatever and they may be able to store several gigabytes today, several terabytes tomorrow, petabytes later, right? at no charge. Now, that that becomes quite interesting because at the very start of the project, people used to ask me you know, about returns. What's the return going to be for investment in, in MadeSafe in 2006? And I, I kind of told them about a dream as well that I have, that we make something like this globally available that down in the, the deepest, darkest parts of Africa and places where there's, there's extreme poverty that we give them access to the world's information, but not just give them access, but give them the ability to to have a computer, like one laptop per child, suffer right. because the drive is so small. They install MadeSafe here, they, they find you've got a one laptop per child computer with several terabytes of space available to you. So these people could start then becoming part of our global network, which is really important to me. Even with low resources, low computer resources, yeah, they, terribly, they could become a part of yeah, it. Yeah, terribly low computer resources. And that that's a, a phenomenal thing. So going back to the guy who, the people who were asking about what return would they get on investment from MateSafe, the first thing saying was, look, this is a replacement for the internet. We're cryptographically quite... We're quite deep mathematical thinkers. We can count one and one does equal two. You know, we're not sure. going to do something to starve as all. There will be returns. But the most important return would be, what about that person who jumps out from behind a bush in Kenya with a cure for cancer on that computer? Oh, yeah. How much was the return worth? And this, this is crucial, and it's crucially important. We get 
we get another 5 billion people being able to use systems like this, then there's another 5 billion people going to be looking at the problems that we really want to solve, medical problems, financial, whatever. So the MedSafe network is likely to be able to give, it's almost like if you said to Dropbox and Google Drive and Windows Azure and Amazon, tell you what, could you just make your services completely free to the rest of the world? They would all drop dead. And it's our design choice to do that. And that, that could be, that could be a, a startling thing. Right. At that point, it becomes priceless. What does it matter what you get as far as an actual return? Yeah. Because the whole world's going to benefit in ways that are incalculable. Absolutely. Boy, that's exciting. Yeah. You know, and I, I want to touch on something there. I mean, one of the things that really annoys me with, you, you mentioned earlier, um, about, uh, you know, like business models like Yahoo and Google and all of them. Yeah. Um, I- I'm really annoyed because like those business models, they're all ad supported and yeah. there's no way th- for, for the ad supported, you know, business models to exist. I mean, you can't have a perfectly secure system because somebody has to know what ads to feed you. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and that's such a huge flaw. And this sounds, I mean, th- this sounds like one of the ways, uh, you know, to solve that. Cause I've said, we've got to find out other ways to fund these kind of projects. Yeah. Uh, and, and looks like you've cracked it. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think the, the whole safe coin thing seems to be something that's, and if it starts being a currency with anything like the value that Bitcoin has got, you know, these, these guys are all going to build and girls are all going to build applications and these coins are going to generate because of building applications and the whole ecosystem just just builds and, and we all grow with it. And that, that to me is, right. uh, is it's almost like kind of what Bitcoin's doing as well. You're, you're growing at, almost at the side of society, but you're, you're providing huge value to society at, at as little cost as possible. And that, that's, that's fantastic. When I say cost, I mean hassle. You know? Right. <laughs> and that it's really important that, that we have a system where it feeds itself. And the, the more people that use it, the more people get fed by it. And that, that's really important. It's, a, it's, it's really exciting, actually, because one of the things that I was uh, playing with today, I'm always playing with building robots or 3D printing things, one of the things I was playing with today was just a USB disk with a, a Linux distribution and MadeSafe on it. I thought, well, with that, you can go to any computer, plug this thing in, and it becomes your computer. Log into MadeSafe. You've got a humongous drive. I thought, what if we just build those and then airdrop them all over Africa? One dollar <laughs> USB thing. Right. Airdrop them all over Africa and say, grab one of these things, plug it in a computer, create your account. You've got this much this space as you're probably going to ever require all the computing power and, and if there's one computer shared between a hundred kids it doesn't matter they just all plug their own USB thing in and it's their computer while they're using it completely secure and completely capable and able to provide more wealth to us the rest of the world in terms of information and, and ideas so uh, things like that I think are going to be possible now with something like the MainSafe technology they actually just spread the ability for people to contribute to the wealth of the information that. Yeah. And, and it's so inexpensive to do. I mean, this is, this is actually, I, I love the idea. This is something um, that I've heard people recommend to like do with the, uh, 
say something like Tails OS, yep. uh, you know, for Tor, uh-huh. where, where look, just, just, you know, in the middle of some country, just drop off a ton of USB drives with Tails on it. That way people can get in touch, yeah. <laughs> you know. Very much the same idea. And some of the Tor guys spoke to some of the Tor guys, and they're, they're a great bunch of people as well. And Oh, yes, yeah. And I'm hoping that, that they get more involved with this project, um, along with the MeshNet guys. The MeshNet guys seem excited by it, but it, it's, I think that... It's one of the things that we do as well in MadeSafe, which is quite an unusual thing. We have this vision of privacy, security, and freedom for all of the people of the world. And we don't care if it's us that does it. You know, right. we, we just, that's our vision, you know, so that's it. We are here, we'll try our hardest to make it happen. And I think we're, it looks like we could have, have some great success soon. But it doesn't matter. So I've been going around a lot of projects in the last few weeks and saying to them, look, if you share this vision, let's share the whole thing. Let's share the network. It's not ours. And, and that's why I can't wait until after the Bitcoin conference when I, I can really tell people why this network doesn't belong to us and why it belongs to them. I love it. Yeah, it's very important. <laughs> it's very important. I, I, seriously, I, I, this, is, this is fantastic. Yeah. Um, now, I, you know, I want, I want to ask, I want, you probably get this question a lot. Uh-huh. But I, 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 this this is going to be that the the negative Nelly question, yeah. <laughs> and you, you know, because I mean, and I know you're just using the term, you know, as an example. But you, like you mentioned, cyber brain. Uh-huh. I'm sure someone has said to you, "How is this not Skynet?" Yeah, well, a lot of people have, and really, it's the the network's designed to do specific tasks, and it's based on a kind of ant colony thing. And what I noticed was ants form harvester ants like Deborah Gordon and the Gordon Institute in Stanford I went to speak to her about this but they perform four actions they're a forager or uh, they forage for food or they carry food back to the nest or they clean or they're a soldier they do four specific tasks they, they, but the, the tasks that they do are extremely simple there's very few rules involved but right. each ant could be expected to be any of those four personas if you like Right. The network is designed that each node has, at the moment, seven personas, I think. And it depends what message comes to it. But the network is is extremely complicated when people look at it. But if you look at each individual node, it's extremely dumb. And very much like an ant nest, you can, you can wipe out an ant with a drop of water. And you can just blow one away with a puff of wind. But when you put millions of them together they form one of the most sophisticated and complex structures known to man. And the ant colonies have been about for 150 million years. And we keep trying to build artificial intelligence, which is IBM Watson, a huge, complicated, single brain, because we think that somehow we're some huge, complex, single brain. And that's not the way to build networks, in my opinion. You build lots of extremely dumb things that follow very few rules, but do them exactly correctly. And then you connect them together, and that's what... So it's almost like, if you imagine the MadeSafe network, becomes almost like a human brain, but it's programmed specifically to look after data and communications. And that, that's a... It's a and it, it, that's why it's been quite difficult to build it, because it almost has been like building a human brain or an ant colony. And right. you've got to build all the neurons and the synapses, and, and you can't test that until you put it together just like you can't test an ant colony by taking an ant and analyzing it. You've got to put a million of them together. That, that's, yeah, that's so long. 
that, that's an interesting analogy because, I mean, ants, like you said, I mean, they'll create, you know, one of them will drown, but if there's a bunch of them, it'll create a raft. Yeah. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll create their own raft, uh-huh. and they do it completely leaderless. They just do it. Yeah, that's uh, which is amazing. Yeah, and, and that's why when I look at like people talk about decentralization, and you know, and it's one of the things with I spoke to some of the Bitcoin guys about is don't build everything on a blockchain like this one blockchain. Nature's the best example of a decentralized system because. It's full of decentralized components themselves that, like ant colonies or wolves or deers or something, and they all live together in this huge decentralized space, which we call nature. And that's, that's something that's important to me. So I, like Medsafe will exist and look after data. It shouldn't look after trade because something on top of it, like Bitcoin, will look after trade. Right. You know, the other applications will all sit, but we shouldn't take one decentralized thing and try and build every single thing on top of it. Decentralization means completely decentralized. So Medsafe will be great for data and communications. Fantastic. There'll be other decentralized systems that are required for other actions that we need as, as humans. And not everything should sit in Medsafe. Not everything should sit in Bitcoin. But people have to look and try to design an ant colony, for instance, and what each of those ads, what, what should their function be? Should have four personas, right. each those, but it's extremely difficult. So decentralized design is extremely difficult, but when, when you get it, it's inordinately efficient. Yeah, and it, it, I could just see it just instantly taking over because it's so efficient. Yeah. People will just say, no, I want to use that. Yeah. I love the fact that you brought up that, that no, this is, this is purpose-built. It's going to handle this, yeah. and something else should handle this. This is a huge problem in, in the Bitcoin space, yeah. in my opinion, yeah. is that you know the people want Bitcoin to do everything. Yeah. And it's like, no, 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 don't do that. You don't want it to do everything. That's, that's embrace, and, uh, embrace, and, uh, embrace and expand like Microsoft does, uh-huh. and that's a bad business model, in my opinion. Yeah, very much so. I think that, that's where, like, that's where I, I try to say to people, look, decentralization means decentralization. A wolf doesn't become you know, a deer. Right, <laughs> grow each other's antlers on top of each other. They, <laughs> they live together in a decentralized natural system, and and they may coexist for this moment in time. But when deers disappear, all the wolves don't die. You know, they might eat something else. So each decentralized system should live on its own and connect at any time to other decentralized. And they may co-depend on each other at that particular point in time. They don't co-depend on each other forever because nature has got this great thing where it tries things and then kills them off. So species disappear and new species are born. So if every single species was built on top of an amoeba or something, right. the whole thing would have been wiped out years ago. So nature shows us don't make everything depend on everything else. Allow things to coexist at any moment in time, but not require the... So completely symbiotic relations in nature are very abnormal. Most most species are, are pretty independent, and they may, right. they may have to move to different parts of the world to seek different prey or whatever. But and this is the way that the decentralized internet should become. There should be lots of different decentralized systems that can interconnect and, and provide support and make the whole much more powerful. But they can't all depend on each other, and that, I think that's that's some of the risks in some of the Bitcoin community that. If everything gets built on that blockchain thing, 
then we're trying to squeeze all of nature into one species. Yeah, yeah, work. yeah. I love that example. Um, I am going to quote you on that in the future. <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh, you know, and I and I totally agree. Every every I I agree, frankly, with with everything you're saying. Um, and I want to know more because I never thought of it in this way, though. I want to know more about your thinking on, you know, basing everything on on nature. And I think it's it's a great idea. And and because I hear a lot of people. Uh, especially in, in my own circles and sphere of influence, you know, I, I hear a lot of people saying, well, we're, we're beyond nature. And, and, and it's like, no, no, we're not. I mean, even gears can be found in insects. You know, there's the plant hopper that actually has gears for, you know, that, that operate its legs, you know, literal, you know, cog gears. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, nature shows us everything, I think. Absolutely. And, and, and you, you seem to feel the same way. Would, would you explain like kind of where that philosophy comes from? I think really it's, I'm an engineer, basically, fundamentally, and, and I, I stare at things and wonder why they do what they do and, and try and read as much as I, I possibly can. I've never read a non-fiction book in my life except for 1984 because I had to for school. So, <laughs> non-fiction. Yeah, I'm one of those kind of people you don't want to meet in a pub. There's a boring guy. <laughs> no, but I like, I like quizzing. I, I like finding, finding things out, and I just find nature's a fascinating thing because... We think we're smarter than nature, and people like that, I think, well, it'd be great. Why don't you spend five minutes in a room with Ebola, you know, yeah. <laughs> how much smarter you are? And nature evolves, and I think we're part of this evolving thing. We've hardly been here any time at all uh, in this planet. So I think it seems to do experiments, and, and we could be an experiment. We could have been wiped out with the Cuban crisis. We could have been wiped out with the financial crisis. You know, something could happen that could wipe out humanity very quickly, I think, uh, because we're, we're being allowed to develop at extreme pace. And I think if you look at, at, at nature, you see you see systems at work. There's there's never been an ability for us. We, we start, we've started building these mesh robot things now, you know, uh, to try and emulate like nature, but we can't. We can't build a machine that flies like a bird. We can't build an ant colony. We can't, you know, there's lots of stuff right. we can't do. And nature has had 13 and a half billion years or whatever, you know, to to be able to design systems that actually do work and they work in a, a nice symmetry with each other, that there's all these decentralized systems that do work together and, and work very well. And it's and it balances, nature balances at an extreme pace. You know, we poison the atmosphere and nature fixes it. We, you know... So it's got a lot to teach us, and there's so many variables involved that we have got almost no understanding of it. And that's why I think it's a bit like Richard Feynman, you know, the physicist. Yeah. He always said, you know, if you're doing something and you can't find that in nature, you're doing it wrong. And that's, that is an interesting quote, yeah. And I totally believe that, that if you look at something and you think that's not a natural design, it's not... It, and it's like if you look at the if you look at a centralized internet, for instance, we've got servers, they're not secure. So what do we do? Put them in bomb shelters, they're still not secure. So we put a, <laughs> put a VPN around it or something, still doesn't work. Put an extra security in the router, put firewalls, put intrusion detection. So and and we put bandages on these things for ages. In actual fact, what we should be doing is looking rip all that stuff away because that's all rubbish. And look, you've got the design wrong. This is what's wrong. Your your base algorithm's wrong. Look in nature and find a server-based system. It doesn't exist. There's a good reason right. it doesn't exist. 
for 13 and a half billion years, nature hasn't been able to make that work either. Right. We're not going to... And I think nature teaches us way more than we are prepared to learn from it at times. Yes. And for me, it, it, it's an important master, you know, that, and as I say, I used to do quite a lot of sailing. And one of the things I loved about sailing or being in a lifeboat was the waves, the honesty of the weather and nature is incredible because if you challenge it, it'll just drown you. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's no lying, there's no dishonesty, there's no trying to talk your way around a wave, you know, that's <laughs> it. And, and it, it really teaches you an awful lot about respecting the world round about you to begin with and then absorbing what it's teaching you. It teaches us all the time and we just need to, we just need to watch it. And, and I think we need to look at what we're doing in terms of building financial systems, build, even building houses, you know, nature, we should be looking all the time at nature and saying, well, after 13 and a half billion years, that worked. Why don't we do that thing? Right. You know, and, and I think we'll learn a lot. I think one of the things that will come out of MadeSafe is that type of thinking. And if, sure. if we produce the new version of the internet, which is much more secure and more widely used and more appreciated and and more robust and more stable, too. Yeah, and I think that's yeah. a kind of proof that that way of thinking is quite good. I think Richard Feynman was a phenomenal proof that thinking in that manner was a was a very clever way to, to go. So, Yeah, you know, I agree. I mean, I, I, I say this a lot on, on Sovereign Tech that so much of what we consider normal uh, isn't even 100 years old. No. I mean, not even close, like even people living in, in homes now in, in the United States, it's a little bit different, but uh, I think maybe you can confirm you're in, you're in Scotland. Yeah. I think you could kind of confirm in, in Europe. I mean, home ownership is almost, I mean, that that's a really new idea yeah. uh, like that. That just didn't happen up until what, 20, 30, 50 years ago, maybe. Yeah. Well, it's interesting, actually, in, in the 80s, Margaret Thatcher and Ron right. Reagan had this fantastic relationship. And what happened here was we went into home ownership. So most of the council homes were sold and interestingly enough that that was supposed to be the the making of us all which led to this crash thing we just had yeah the, the amount of home ownership then was 60 percent is back to 60 percent everybody now rents their house again but they've now rent it off private landlords right and again we are messing with systems we don't really understand and now rather than councils getting all the money from that rent and providing better roads and services private landlords get it and the roads have got holes in them. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, it, and again, that's nature saying, be as greedy as you want, but you're going to pay for this. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And we'll continue yeah. to do that every time we be greedy and nature will reward us with, you know, this financial crash and things like that and holes in our road. And, and yeah, you know, I, I, I love this whole this whole philosophy, you know, that, that you're describing, because, I mean, even you take something like the surveillance state, like you mentioned, uh, 1984 and all yeah. that. I mean, none of this stuff is normal. No. Nope. You know, and like it, it's going to implode on its own weight because the, the system hasn't evolved and evolution's the mother of innovation. I mean, yeah. you know, and you, you mess with that, it's over. Yeah. Uh, and and yeah, this stuff's just going to fall away on its own. Absolutely. I think that. The whole spying thing is incredible. I, I was listening to a, a chat the other day from, he was on TED, one of the NSA guys saying, 
talking about weakening cryptography and saying we use that same weak cryptography and you think well look at look at what what's happening here like from the outside world perspective you're using stuff that's weak that other people are probably breaking into <laughs> you know right <laughs> don't do that just go for the logical thing get the correct cryptography you know balance if you're trying to protect stuff protect it yeah, it's it's an ironic thing because you know the the lie being being schlepped you know to people is that um, you know well we got to do this we got to put in NSA backdoors yeah. and we have to put in you know we have to have all the stuff to to be safer when actually the really safe thing is to not have any backdoors at all. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it's a total lie that that they're that they're giving people. Uh, my my philosophy on making things safer and. And all the rest of it, because we, we asked about stuff like, look, could your system be used for terrorism things? Yeah, and so could Mr. Ford's cars be used for terrorism. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. But the thing that beats all of those ills, that snooping and misinformation and all the rest of it, and, and I live in the UK. The UK is the world leader for misinformation. You know, sure. We invented propaganda. <laughs> but all of that stuff is easily fixed. And it's just fixed through education. Right. And educate people and educate people, provide things, tools like the internet, tools like MadeSafe. Here's access to actual real information. And one of the one of the innovations that I would love to see in the MadeSafe network, and it's entirely possible I've done the design for it, and that was in 2006 as well, is a worldwide aggregated and ranked news system where there's an avatar that tells the same news to every single person in the world in their own language. So if a, if three people get shot in Afghanistan and one happens to be a soldier, it's, you know, there'll be a mum get shot, a son get shot, and another person get shot who was a soldier. We should all hear the same story. And if we all hear right. the same story in the news all the time, we'll all stop hating each other. And we won't want to fight each other. Because I remember years ago reading about a Palestinian and an Israeli who were, they got chatting on the internet and they, they started realising that, oh, actually, you know, you're a real person too. I don't really want you to die or your family. And I think if we can give everybody in the world the same information, and, and, and it's ranked and rated by, by the people of the world, and just giving everybody in the world the same news, you're going to get rid of much more terrorism than snooping on everybody for life. You know, it's... Oh, yeah, I totally agree. I mean, there's going to be like the, the understanding that people will have between each other will be amazing. Yeah. You're you're absolutely right, because, you know, news in particular, yeah. uh, depending on which country it goes to, gets filtered. Absolutely. Um, I was in the military myself. And I mean, the numbers I know that were getting sent to the United States of the amount of soldiers that died yeah. were really low yeah. compared to what they actually were. Yeah. And actually, like, I mean, you know. Listening to Al Jazeera, you got a far more accurate news report, yeah. you know, than you did from from MSNBC. And so, boy, I think I agree with you. I think that's beautiful. I hadn't even thought of that. If you could just like have this distributed news network yeah. that was just straight up and honest yeah. and not filtered, yeah. wow, what that could do for the world. I agree. And if it's on a completely decentralized system, managed right. people on the system, it's not possible to take it off. That's another interesting thing about MadeSafe. Nobody can switch it off. We can't even switch it off when we launch it. Right. It can't be stopped. You can switch off DNS. It ignores all that stuff. That's really important. So that big brain, if you like, that big machine could do federated news. And that 
that will stop many more deaths than any war or any snooping or any of this kind of thing. Yeah. And, you know, you think about how important, especially like with, with what's going on in Turkey yeah. right now. Um, I mean, where, where the government's trying to shut down Twitter and Google's yeah. DNS and all this stuff. MadeSafe would just, you know, laugh at all. Yeah, I just completely ignored it. Completely Amazing. Wow. I, I, <laughs> I love it. Um, I want to, I want, I want to move on uh, to, to another subject real quick. Yeah. Uh, if you have more time. Yeah. Um, but I want to, I want to ask this, uh, this, this last question about made safe, at least, um, doesn't have to be the last, but is that, will this be available on like, how will this be available for OS? Is this, this is obviously be on Mac, Windows, Linux, BSD. I mean, yeah. like what's, what's, uh, what's the distribution? It's com- completely cross-platform. That's one of the things we've done from day one. So it works on every system that we know of. We, we now have to get it compiling on the mobile platforms, and there's a few projects looking at that. Okay. All desktop operating systems, that's a no-brainer. That's that's from day one that's been the case. Awesome. Because a lot, a lot of these, I, I mean, not that I've really heard any idea quite like MadeSafe, but a lot of these these newer uh, technologies that come out, they, you know, they're often very concentrated on one OS or one or two, and they kind of leave Linux by the wayside or something. But yeah. uh, uh, this, uh, well, fantastic. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, no, it's just, that, that, that was a really, it actually helps if you're from a programming perspective, it helps you do much better code when it has to be cross-platform. So it allows you to, to create much better, stronger code. So it's important. Sure. It has to be cleaner code. That way more people can, can, you know, read it yeah. quickly, use it and adapt it fast, yeah. uh, to, to other, other OSs. That's yeah, I agreed. That's a, that's a great, um, uh, a great side effect. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So David, you're, you're clearly a really, uh, forward thinking guy and you've got a blog. I love this blog. It's uh, metaquestions.me. That's the web address, metaquestions.me. And, you know, like some of the ideas I read in that are really, I mean, this is, this is, like I say, forward thinking, you know, kind of far out stuff. I mean, what is, um, you mentioned that you look in nature. Is that what, uh, you know, is that what inspires a lot of your, a lot of your blog posts on there? It's really, I think it's, I, I, I like to look at things. 180 degrees I think like how do you solve this problem I would think well how could you not have that problem in the first place so I, I like to challenge myself with these kind of thought experiments and in the last couple of months I've started this blog and just I, I'm not a writer I'm a typical engineer I'm a terrible writer and <laughs> grammar's all over the place but I just dump ideas down and try and develop things and and people seem to now start be quite enjoying it so I've started investigating things like I've done a series about things that own themselves in Bitcoin like a robot could own itself or a car could own itself and and okay now now the yeah the you gave an example. I read one where it was about a self-driving car yeah. that could essentially own itself. Yeah. Would you be willing to like go into that just to give an example to yeah, the audience? Yeah, yeah. Like, the self-driving about? car is quite good. It's just someone would build someone would build this car, self-driving car, and the Bitcoin ability to take money, so it would have its own wallet. Then it would drive about and act as a taxi. Basically, people would jump in, ask where they want to go, and pay in Bitcoin. So that car's wallet would be filling up and then it would go to the garage and it would buy petrol and Bitcoin. So it, it, its wallet would be, there'd be a, a deposit made from its wallet to the garage owner. And th- 
as many taxis as possible would be doing that these self-driving cars and when they needed repairs they go to the garage and the mechanic can repair them and then take the payment in in bitcoin and at the end of life or when they become less efficient they are then scrapped and the bitcoin is left in their wallet is used to scrap the car and the good thing about that would be that if you introduce something like the MateSafe network into the mix these cars could all speak to themselves they could all speak to i've got this Designed for autonomous distributed intelligence, which is the teaching robots to speak to each other. You teach one robot French and all of the robots in the world know French, kind of. <laughs> so it's a it's an interesting concept. But these cars would all be able to speak to themselves. So what would what would happen is that the people getting transported from place to place and the taxi would be getting that would be happening at the lowest possible cost. And if a new car came along that was more efficient, it was a Tesla or what something. Right. It could do that cheaper. It would be taking a lower price in Bitcoin because all these things would be mathematically calculated. So you, you, us as humans are always getting the most efficient system, and the the self-driving car system themselves, it, it they're logical and mechanically working through maths. So they're they're driving efficiency the whole time. Their job is to be efficient. So right. The least efficient car would actually take itself off the road and go to the repair shop to be upgraded to a more efficient car or broken up or whatever. So these these devices don't actually need to be owned by anyone. People are feeding money in and they, they're able to pay money out for fuel or services or repairs. So there's actually no point in having ownership of those things. So they, they can't yeah. actually own themselves. There's no requirement. So as they're working, they could pay themselves. So you could decide you're going to build one for $50,000 and the taxi will pay you back your fifty thousand dollars. Right. You know, and if you if you're more expensive than fifty thousand dollars, the taxi won't tell any other taxi to get built there. You know, so they'll drive down the cost of the manufacturer as well. So, and it'll just maintain its. See, now this is such an interesting idea. Yeah. Because now, what you call it, distributed autonomous intelligence, intelligence is that distributed okay. autonomous intelligence? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because especially when you think about how much it costs to maintain a, a car. Yeah. Um, I mean, and for some people, it's a joy. You yeah. know, I mean, I you know, I enjoy cars too. But, yeah. um, but I mean, at the same time, you know, when you think about that, and really how little a car gets used, but how much it costs to just keep using it all the time. Yeah. Uh, what a, what a what an interest. Yeah. What what an incredible idea. Okay. And so owning itself. Like, I mean, what do you, do you have any, maybe I'm putting you on the spot, but I mean, do you have any like higher ethical points to that? Not really. I think it's just the efficiency. We're looking for efficiency the whole time and it's right. for us to drive about and kill people with our cars when you have a right. system that kills nobody and, right. and it's done at a lesser cost. And I think if you drive down costs like that, it's not, it's, sometimes I see Bitcoin as a potential to move towards a resource-based economy. And I think the more of these systems that come in place, the, the further towards a resource-based economy we become, where people work at what they love to work at. Mm -hmm. That's that's where everybody levitates to what they want to do. If you want to train dolphins for a while and you're good at it, go and do it. And so I think that making society much more efficient, and you won't get one of these cars lying to you and taking you the wrong road. <laughs> you know, right. what happened? You know. <laughs> Uh, so I think another really interesting way to look at that one, Brian, is if you've got if you've got a, a CT scanner in a hospital, and that's connected to this distributed autonomous intelligent network, 
and the doctor says to you that ah, you've got something wrong with your shoulder and you get the CT scan and it says, oh, you've got some kind of growth there, we'll, we'll cut you open or whatever. If that CT scanner was also a robot, and again, owning themselves in Bitcoin, they, they make their, their money out. But if that was a robot connected to a distributed network, that robot would be able to look at every single one of those scans, all the millions of x-rays that actually happen in the CT scan. And notice there is a growth in your shoulder, but there's also a dot in your left finger. And it would be able to look at all the other scans of everyone in the planet who's ever been scanned before and say, every time that's happened, all that you need to do is take half an aspirin. And that's right. where the machine wouldn't be replacing the doctor because it, the, at that point, the doctor's useless. Because a doctor right. looking at an X-ray or a CT scan can't look at three trillion points per second. Robots can, and if they've got the ability to to the, those CT scanning robots, so they're not identifying you as a person or whatever. They're just identifying this body in front of them, and they're able to say, with those particular things showing up in the scan, this is a remedy for it. And that's where distributed autonomous intelligence could become very powerful. That's that's incredible. And like with the made safe network, if it ran off of that same idea, yeah. no one no one person would have control of, you know, of like of the, the your identity no. or anything like that. You would be the only person that could input that yeah. and then and and have access to those records. Yeah. And then the the you know, the DAI essentially, the DAI doctor, yeah. uh, you know, the yeah. the distributed autonomous intelligence doctor, you uh-huh. know, could then access it, but only with your permission. Yeah. Yeah, and you could do that deal with so those CT machines would all have their own private shared part in the internet. You could do the deal with them, say, I'm right. going to let you use my scan. And it's the, I think it's one thing with human humans, we tend to trust machines. You know, you, we, we tend to have a trust in machinery because we probably know it's quite logically put together and it's run correctly. Sure. More than we would trust a person. We wouldn't give a stranger or our bank details, but we put our bank details into maybe our calculator or something. And right. this relationship with machines, I think, can be maintained as long as the machine can be shown to be working with logic and maths. And, and, and there's lots of us able to look at it and say, yep, that's very secure. Don't worry about it. Well, that's the beauty of open source, right, yep. is that, you know, we can we can all take a look as long as, you know, we, we you know, learn what we need to, you know, to look at the code. Yeah. We can all look at it, absolutely, uh, absolutely. Which I think is the just the real importance behind open source. Yeah. Uh, you know that, that that a lot of people need to really recognize. Yeah, uh, that that is an incredible. I, I love it. <laughs> this whole thing. I mean, this is one of the most exciting uh, interviews, and in really, I think that I've done uh, because this stuff is exactly the kind of thing that I've been really wanting to hear and see people working on. You've been doing it for eight years. Eight years. Yeah, we've, we've kept it very secret. Yeah, I, well, <laughs> I, it's that's that's it's great. Now, I mean, real quick, could I ask? I mean, like, what was the idea of, of keeping it secret? It was really we're too busy to talk about it. it. It's sure it was really complicated trying to explain. It was very very difficult, and we just thought, oh, if we start explaining it, people ask us questions, so we'll we'll hide away and get all the algorithms working, and then uh, it's being Scottish as well. I think you've got to have everything's got to work first. <laughs> so that was that was really why we we kept kind of quiet. We did speak to some people, but not not all that many. And eight weeks ago, we just decided that's it. It's all working. Let's get it out there. Yeah, let's do it. it. Yeah, 
Yeah, the the and with like you mentioned with Bitcoin, the world seemed to be ready. Yeah, absolutely. You know, for for these kinds of ideas. Absolutely. Um, fan, fantastic. No yeah. No, uh, David. I mean, is there anything you want to add? Uh, no, I, I think that, that's great. I, I think having a great time answering the questions and, and yeah, I love it. <laughs> so, so uh, what, what's a what? Let's see. MetaQuestions.me. Uh, I'll say if if anyone wants to just get some read some really really forward deep thought, go check out David's blog there. But then, what's the what's the best way to to, to find uh, MadeSafe? Uh, MadeSafe.net. M A I D madesafe.net yeah. and you should be hearing a bit more about us in the, the next few weeks so hopefully yeah if there's the the inside bitcoin conference i believe that's what it's called in new yeah. york uh april 7th to the 9th i think yeah and i think uh, we've got a speaking slot at that so everybody's welcome to listen to us chatting about things yeah absolutely uh, i'll be there david will be there uh if anyone i mean i'm sure there's still tickets people you know come catch this this is going to be an interesting conference i think um but david thank you so much thank you for developing this thank you for everything you are doing uh, i am always excited really to, to talk to people that are pushing humanity forward you know, and, and, and I really think you are, and, that, and that's just fantastic stuff. Thank you, Brian. I appreciate that. That's really good of you. Absolutely. So, listeners, Carpe Lucem, I will see you in the next episode of Sovereign Tech. This has been Sovereign Tech. Visit us at SovereignTech.com. That's S-O-V-R-Y-N-Tech.com. There you can connect with us, see more of what you've heard on today's show, and catch our podcast feed. Sovereign Tech is open source. We encourage you to share. Later, nerds. <laughs>